0: That's BlueNile.com.
2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, at Dundalk, and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the new and pre-owned Renault, Dacia, and Opel range. And a car finance specialist on-site to arrange a finance package that suits your budget. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie.
3: Welcome to Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon, isn't it gorgeous out, oh beautiful on the way in here, I think there's a few showers on the horizon, I was just looking at the weather forecast there, I'll be telling you all about it after two. Welcome to the show this Tuesday, Michael McAvoy's with us in a while, he's a man who... Uh, experience a stroke. Out of the blue, we're going to hear his story. Tony Conlon, we're motoring with him today and we're concentrating on the Nissan Qashqai. Ham Sandwich are back on the road. Ham Sandwich are back. A tour planned. We're going to be having a chat with Neve Farrell this afternoon and a young entrepreneur from North Loud has come up with a lovely little idea and he's making waves. If you want to get in touch with us on the show 086 1800 658 WhatsApp or text me to the show. We begin today with the head of the department. Department of Biology and Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Manutha University in a Tuesday slot at late lunch. Professor Paul Moyne, good afternoon again. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. Now, I have uh, many people who want to uh, put some questions here and have been in the last seven days, so I've picked a few of them out, Paul, and I just yep. want to throw the matches to begin today. Now, the gap between the doses, uh, the government or the cabinet are meeting today to, to look at extending it beyond the 28 days. Now, it has already gone extended, hasn't it, for AstraZeneca, but I think this is the Pfizer that's been four weeks. What's your take on this?
4: So the AstraZeneca, as you say, Jerry, that that has been extended. And again, that's based on really good data that we have and scientific studies. So they've shown that if you extend that duration, that period between the first and second dose, out to at least 12 weeks, you actually get a better uh, booster response. That's with the AstraZeneca. You're probably more likely to get the same uh, positive response with the uh, Pfizer and the Moderna one. The slight difference there is that the trials focused on in one case, three weeks; in another case, four weeks for the uh, period between the first and second. But just based in terms of how immunology works, how our immune system um, is activated and triggered, uh, I wouldn't be too concerned in terms of that period was extended. We also know now that most of these vaccines, with the first dose, to give you very good protection, to give you could give you up to maybe seventy, seventy, maybe. Seventy to eighty to eighty-five yeah. percent protection in the first dose, and then with the second dose it does a few things: it increases that efficiency even more, and probably importantly, it increases duration of protection. But in a situation where you're limited with respect to the number of vaccines that are available, and you want to vaccinate as many people as quickly as possible, I think there's a lot of uh, you know justification in terms of extending that period between the first and second and use the limited supply as effectively as possible. Mm-hmm.
3: So that's the idea behind it. I'm due next Wednesday, tomorrow week, so maybe I'll hear different at that stage. I got the wee appointment and all, but that's that's liable to change if, if, if anybody listening today has that.
4: Yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, you know, the, the advice has been updated all of the time. Sometimes yeah. the advice has, has changed. So I think it depends in terms of... So, first of all, the data and the scientific data coming in, but also in terms of it does really depend in terms of the availability of other vaccines, their supplies. Mm. So that tends to dictate some of the policy as well.
3: Now, uh, no new deal between the EU and AstraZeneca it looks like when the current deals run out. And uh, I have a question in from a listener who wants to know what will happen. They've just got their AstraZeneca uh, first jab very recently. They're not going to get the second one, you know, for uh, uh, maybe up to three months uh, uh, later. If there's no AstraZeneca, what happens for the second jab?
4: So I would say up until now, I think the the approach to be taken is to uh, reserve the second dose. So rather than because there has been some inconsistency, especially with AstraZeneca in terms of supply. So I would imagine that those second doses have been retained so that somebody who has been got the first dose with AstraZeneca, that a second dose with AstraZeneca would still be available. I think the contract hasn't been renewed or a new contract hasn't been agreed. I think part of that has got to do with the fact that the delivery from the AstraZeneca has been very inconsistent and not based on what the anticipated supply was from the EU uh, perspective. And I actually think the EU has initiated a legal case against, against AstraZeneca in that sense. So I don't think it's related, Jerry, in terms of the efficacy or the effectiveness yes. of the vaccine. I think it's more related to how reliable. Yeah. Uh, the AstraZeneca has been in terms of making good on their uh, intended supply based on contracts.
3: So, if there wa- weren't AstraZeneca, you're saying though they are making provision that anyone that got first doses, I don't, I don't, yeah.
4: I don't know for sure, Jerry, yeah. but I would imagine they probably have. Okay. In 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 theory, actually, for a second dose of the vaccine, actually, there's a lot of scientific uh, reasons why you'd use a second, a different vaccine for your second dose, even though this hasn't been done. So far, Mm. in all of the cases so far, if you get a Pfizer, the second dose is also a Pfizer. But if you, for example, were to look at the Sputnik uh, vaccine, they use two adenoviruses, but the adenovirus is different between the first and the second dose. And the reason why sometimes you use, and it may be better to use a different vaccine for your second dose, is that your immune system can generate a neutralizing response against the first vaccine, especially if it's a virus like an adenovirus. Mm. So that then when you get that second dose, you may already have neutralising antibodies that would maybe reduce the effectiveness of the second dose. So there are reasons why you'd use two different vaccines. But again, trials haven't been done on that. But again, I would suspect there'd be very little risk with using, very uh, little risk associated with using a different uh, vaccine okay. for a second dose.
3: I watched Tony Holohan interviewed yesterday and very promising interview, I have to say, with him. And I took from, the main message I took was this, Paul. Uh, I'd like to hear your opinion. That, once, Tony Holland says, uh, we get 50-year-old upwards vaccinated, the vast majority of 50 years plus, that really we're in a different situation.
4: Yeah, so I think mostly that's obviously you protect the most vulnerable. So that's the primary objective of vaccination so far, to protect the most vulnerable. Now we're moving to a situation where we're trying to use the vaccines to suppress, as well as directly protecting people, but to suppress transmission of the virus. I think if you look at other studies and other rollouts, places like the UK, uh, Israel, what seems to happen is when you get above about 50% of your adult population uh, vaccinated, you seem to see very good protective effects. And I think that's probably due to the fact that as well as having 50% vaccinated, put on top of that, people who have previously been exposed to the virus and have natural immunity now, and you put that together with the vaccines, you're getting to quite high levels and, you know, close to potentially this, this concept of uh, herd immunity um, especially in the summer months, where in order to reach herd immunity, you may not require as much as what you would require, for example, in winter time, where the transmission may be higher. So I think the vaccines and the rollout of the vaccines, when we get to those levels, but obviously we're, we're still talking, Jerry, we're hoping that those targets up to reaching 80, over 80% of the adult population first dose by the end of June, that's not very far away. If we can reach that, we're going to be in a really, really good place.
3: Mm. Uh, the antigen uh, versus PCR test, this is another hot topic at the moment. One view that the antigen is not reliable. One in two tests are inaccurate, uh, according to Neffit and uh, the CMO, Tony Hulen. whereas certain uh, other parties in, in the science field, on the government side, seem to be OK with the uh, antigen.
4: Yeah, I think there's a really important case for, you know, rapid testing and such as rapid antigen testing. And um, so, so far, the Department of Health, HSC seems to be reluctant to fully roll it out. So there was a report uh published a number of weeks ago, probably about six weeks ago at this stage. It was led by Mark Ferguson, the director of Science Foundation Ireland. And again, that was the majority view of that was that rapid, rapid forms of testing, including rapid action testing, should be rolled out on, on a significant uh, scale. There were two members of the committee, I think representatives from the HSE and the Department of Health, who didn't agree with that. So there seems to be this separation. I, for myself... Jerry, I don't understand why they haven't been rolled out and and used. They're they're one of the key tools we can use, not as a replacement to PCR. So the key difference there is we talk about the sensitivity of the antigen test not being as sensitive as PCR. But PCR is so sensitive that probably half the people who are detected PCR positive, most of them have probably gone beyond the infectious stage. and Beyond the infectious stage, when the viral load goes down, the rapid antigen test won't pick you up. But the rapid antigen tests are very good at picking you up, detecting when you are infectious. So it may not be as sensitive as the PCR, but it's very sensitive when you're looking for cases of infection. And that's really when we want to capture people. We want to detect people when they're infectious and stop them from introducing uh, infection into a workplace, into a, a school, into a university, uh, whatever. The important thing, the really important thing, Jerry, is about rapid antigen tests. They have a place. They're sensitive for picking up people who are infectious, and importantly, you want to use them uh, frequently. So rather than just a once-off, you need to use them frequently, and that makes up them with the fact that they may not be as sensitive as the PCR test. So that if you miss it today, well, you may in two days' time the viral load may be sufficiently high to pick it up, and during those two days, it's getting to the stage now where they're becoming infectious. But because you're testing repeatedly. But frequently, you're picking up the person when they become infectious and then isolating them and preventing them from transmitting the virus.
3: That's good to hear, Paul. So let's get the antigen rolled out as widely and quickly as possible. Final thing for you today, the holiday makers are getting restless. Uh, there's uh, people in government talking about getting away uh, later in the summer or whatever. And there's another interesting question just in. Will I be able to travel on one jab?
4: I so officially at the moment, I think that uh, you're considered fully vaccinated, fully protected a number of weeks after the second dose. Mm. But I'm led to believe, Jerry, that, for example, in terms of down the road, looking at travel, there may be an acceptance that possibly four weeks after the first dose, after the first uh, vaccine. For those purposes, you may consider to be protected. And again, I think that's sensible. But that is telling us this. And we know from immune responses when you're triggered when you're exposed to an infection or a vaccine in this case, you start producing antibodies around 14 to 21 days. So four weeks after the first dose, I think you have reasonably good levels of protection. Obviously, it's further enhanced by the second dose, but you have really good protection after the first dose. So I think you will see a situation, and rather than this is somebody who, for example, with the Astrazeneca who may have to wait 12 to 16 weeks. For the second dose, rather than they being at a disadvantage and not being able to travel, if it is a case that they can travel if they been vaccinated, I think we will be looking at a situation where people who have been vaccinated with the first uh, dose probably four weeks after that first dose will be considered protected mm-hmm. and you get the same advantage and benefit. As somebody who's got uh, two doses,
3: well, uh, they'll be kind of phrase, you know, Ireland yourself, Paul. The Astra Travelers and the <laughs> Pfizer Travelers, yeah, really. the <laughs> Pfizer, the Pfizer crew have the advantage at the minute. But as you said, there there shouldn't be a, a number of weeks after getting. They're
4: all, getting, did, they're, yeah. all they're, they're all going to say, and they've always said each other, with full vaccines. They're really good vaccines. They're all safe, and yeah. most importantly, they're all really, really effective.
3: There you go. Paul, as usual, thank you so much uh, for joining me again on the show. Take care of yourself. That's Professor Paul Moynard there, Head of the Department of Biology and Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. Plenty of questions answered there today. Hi Jerry. I got my first vaccine of Moderna on the 26th of April. I'm due my second on the 25th of May. Could my vaccine be postponed? Possibly, Mary. We're all in the same boat. I'm in the same boat myself. I'm due the second one next Wednesday. But look at, hold tight. They'll be in touch. You'll find out once you got the first one. You heard what Paul said there. You're 80% and on the road which is fantastic it's been a tough 14 months for people in the entertainment industry and none more so than ham sandwich from kells in county meath they're known for their brilliant live performances on stage and when we spotted that they've announced a tour beginning in november of this year well shall we just had to catch a word with neve farrell hello neve thanks for joining me on the show today, Neves. great to have you with us well, 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 this certainly caught our attention. You are confident that the the gigs are back obviously
5: yeah, I mean this is it like we 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 had uh, tours booked you know when everything kind of shut down and stuff so we've constantly been looking looking forwards to when we can get back on the road again and uh yeah these are these are the dates now november december so i mean fingers crossed all going well and with the vaccinations moving along and stuff like that that we'll be we'll be back and we'll be able to gig and see everybody at you know at these gigs Mm. so it's uh you know it's a bit little bit of hope and um we need that after the year that you know everybody in the industry has had you know it's nice to have some hope on the horizon and uh that we're going to be able to get back out there before the year is out,
3: you know? Yeah, it's great news. It really is. And these are the things that lift all our spirits and give us something to look forward to. I take it you haven't been twiddling your thumbs.
5: No, not at all, no. <laughs> um, we we were working on a new album. And, I mean, it did, like, it did obviously slow down a bit in the last year with us not being able to see each other as much and things like that. Um and uh, yeah, so we've kind of just recently in the last couple of weeks, we've been kind of managing to get back together and do some finish off some songs. And we're looking to get the album out definitely before the end of the year. Anyway, that's the that's the plan. So with a single hopefully before that. Um, But we're really excited about all the all the new new st- songs that we have. We're very excited to play them live as well. Mm, mm. So it's all it's good. It's like it's nice it's nice to be feeling positive again. You know, it was, it, it's, it, it's a difficult year. Uh, personally, I found it difficult to be creative, you know, cause you're yeah. not really experiencing much except for your own four walls, you know? So mm. I found it quite difficult, but then now that we're getting back into the swing of things and we're seeing each other again and it's, you know the 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 vibes are good in the band like so it's it's uh, it's yeah. good to have some gigs to look forward to to play the new music as well you know
3: tell me about it i looked at those four walls for 6 months myself while <laughs> tra- doing this here every afternoon <laughs> oh, my oh my god almighty i know yeah. what you're talking about exactly but yeah. look at here's the thing This is album number four. You have three previous and you know yourself, your fans love uh, your previous work and many of the singles taken from those as well. You know, when you have new material, this is something that's always intrigued me and you will be going on stage November, December and into the new year. Is it important to get the balance right between, you know, bringing in the new stuff and, you know, the fans want to hear the other as well?
5: Absolutely. It definitely is. Like, I mean, even with the new music... um you know, we we kind of like some of the songs we've kind of taken them in maybe a different direction and stuff like that. Like, but we we always want to put on uh, the best live show. So when we're writing songs for the album, we we think of them as like, mm. okay, how is this going to go down live? Because we want to, you know, we want to give people a kind of a a great gig and a, pa- a kind of party atmosphere. Like that's what we love to do, you know. So we kind of think about that when we're writing the new songs, and then. Obviously, when we do do the gigs, you know, you have to play the stuff that people love as well. Like so it is it's like it's it's definitely a balance and we do sit before gigs and we will sit down before gigs with our set list and be like, okay, and we'll figure it out in terms of like, you know, what people want to hear and the balance of you know, the new stuff towards the old stuff because not everybody wants to hear a full gig of all all new songs that they don't know, you
3: know? Oh, there's nothing worse. So
5: it is a very fine line. Yeah, (laughs) I
3: I don't envy you. And I I often say this, you know, that people hanker for the stuff, but we want to hear as well what's coming and what's uh, for the future also. I also look, you know, everybody knows that you've played Electric Picnic, Longitude in the past. Uh, You've been on stage at Slane Castle as well. Well, yeah. TV, you name it. When you look at the pantheon of places you've been and performed, and those lovely intimate venues, I think of the Spirit Store in Dundalk, where you'll be on the nineteenth of November, folks, this yeah. year. What, what's what's your favourite?
5: Um, well, they're two totally different beasts, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, the festival. I find the festival gigs like we we love doing festival shows because it's kind of generally you get 20 minutes or a half an hour so you got to put out all the stops you got to do your best show you can in the small space it's short space of time you know so that's really exciting that's always a really really great buzz because you know you kind of have to you know 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 what you want to deliver you know what I mean and it's uh it's all (laughs) all systems go but then like the gigs we do in the spirit store for for example in dundalk like we've had some great shows over the years where we've played like for an hour and a half mm. and just being allowed to indulge and indulge the crowd and really really get up close and personal with the with the crowd and and almost like we're all there together like there's no barrier of the stage there yes. do you know what i mean yeah, like we yeah. kind of like to really bring people in in those kind of venues so they're totally too Two different beasts all together, you know, mm. and we. I think it, it w- would be very hard to pick which which one I like to. And okay, because they, they
3: all have they, their yeah. They merit. In different ways, and I understand, it. not it lovely to be able to mix and match as well? And, you know, I say it again, you are renowned as a brilliant live band, and that's why people are so delighted to see these gigs announced. You start in Kilkenny on the 12th of November, and it runs through to Cork on the 8th of January. And I do mention the local one, the Spirit Store, on the 19th of November in Dundalk. Tickets went on sale last Friday, and they're on sale from Ticketmaster, from the venues. The Spirit Store will have them themselves. And uh, is there another, yeah, there's another ticket outlet there. It's a funny website, tegmjr-era.ie. Well, look it, that's one they won't pick up in an instant here today, but Ticketmaster <laughs> for sure, and the venues they will, you can get the tickets there. Neve, always loved you, what you do, and continued success. Looking forward to the album and the tour. I wish you well. You're very good. Thanks very much. Take care yourself. Bye, Neve. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now moving on on the show and I'm joined on late lunch by a man who is a big big soccer fan yes he's one of the legendary Drogheda United fans he's a collector of many things he joined me here one day in studio with some wonderful memorabilia he'd collected he's a dad he's a family man he held down a job but out of the blue some time ago Michael McAvoy suffered a stroke and he's on the line hello Mick
6: uh, good afternoon,
3: Jerry. Thanks for having me on the show. Not at all. You're very welcome. You're coming back. You were with us, of course, here before. Michael, take us back uh, to when this happened. When was it and how were you well, before this happened to you?
6: Well, Jerry, would you believe it was just a year uh, from the weekend. It was the 8th of May. I'll never forget the date anyway. That's one day to me calendar I'll never forget. But I, I think it was a uh, combination of a lot of things before the stroke that I, I should have realised, you know, wasn't helping me because I had hurt me my arm previous to this. But because of the COVID, I didn't go to the doctor because they were saying don't go to the doctors because of the COVID if you don't have to. And then I was I was I was under a lot of pressure with work because again with COVID because all the all the shops were closed, so I was doing a lot of the online business for the company. So that had quadrupled. Mm. Uh, I wasn't sleeping. There was a there was a couple of signs that, in general, you would you know you would be tired from it, but it came totally Jerry out of the blue. It was on a Friday evening. Uh, I was doing a bit of research on a load soccer team from 1941. Would you believe? And I went to close. The late trail was nearly over and I went to try and close the the PC and I couldn't see. There was a letter on the the keyboard. I couldn't see it. And I looked and I looked and I couldn't see it. And I, I began to panic and I came out in a cold sweat and I just closed it. I said, I just closed the laptop. But then I tried to get up, Jerry. And it felt like as if there was about 20 people just sitting on top of me. I just could not move. So I knew there was something big going on. There was, it was, uh, my wife, she's an nurse, she was at work that night on nights. The kids, the lads were upstairs on the Playstations. I was on the sofa, unable to move. So I had, I, I I did panic, but I threw myself onto the ground. I started crawling along the floor. But then I said the doors were closed. So I couldn't open the door. So I, I could I couldn't like get their attention, I could and I couldn't talk really because of the stroke. I was in the middle of the stroke, yeah. And the strange thing about the stroke, Jerry, is there's no pain. Mm. You don't feel any pain. It just comes on you, bang, like mm. out of nowhere, out of the blue. So lucky enough, I had a phone and I got through to the Lords, and I spoke to a nurse and I tried and I was just all was all gobbledygook, and she probably thought this was some prank drunk on the line. So eventually I did get the wife and from there I was all systems, all alarm bells were ringing and off I, I headed for headed for draw. That, that was the, that was my my recollection of it. Uh, yeah. I have to say one thing that did stand out was uh, my younger son Ushin was standing just above me. And as I was waiting, I was you know, you must, I was going into a total panic. And I, it just came into my head, Jerry. I looked at him and said, I'll never see him again. I just, that, that came into me and said, that's me done now. I, I won't see him again. And I I was really, really panicking about the situation. But thankfully I did get into the Lords and get, get, get stuffed. Get, 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 get. and it was funny that my wife was waiting at the the door when I came in there's not many people did can say yes. come in for a stroke and there's your wife with it, yes. all the medics mm. and in you, in you come mm. and I was actually tr- retracing actually I was just by accident pardon the pun uh, I was retracing where my parents were in the hospital over the years I was in like the bed in, in the ward when I arrived that my dad was in the day he died oh. and I was I was, and when I went up into uh, intensive care, it was the same room that my mother was in. You know, it seems we mm. just revisiting all these places.
3: Yes, yes, a real uh, touch of déjà vu for you. You know, it, when yeah. you when you arrived in there. But come back to the house. Make that some frightening scenario when you can't raise the alarm within the house. But, you know, Jerry,
6: I, Jerry, that was that was the big. Uh, was, see the brain itself. It's. Strokes uh, affect people in different ways. I've learned a lot this year all about strokes. But uh, at least I I I I the dem- mind dem- dem- to think, to, I said, well, if I phone on, at least she'll be able to get, you know, somebody on the ball quick. Yes. But if I hadn't had the phone, Jerry mm. those two scenarios, if I hadn't got the phone on me, I couldn't make the phone call. She was at work. The lads were upstairs. I'd be lying on the floor all night.
7: Yeah.
6: Or if it had have happened after the Late Late Show, and I had gone to bed and it happened. I wouldn't have been home till we say nine o'clock the next day. The lads were in bed. So I was I was just so lucky, Jerry, that it <laughs> happened when it did.
3: A stroke of luck, uh, you know, uh, yeah. playing on the ward and not to take anything away from the seriousness of it. You know this thing fast, FAST, you've learned all this, yeah. I'm sure, in the interim. Did they get you in the hospital in time to get that, you know, to get the drugs into you. To You know,
6: yeah. yeah, well, Basically, when I was in, I got a CT scan, yeah. and obviously they were doing a lot of tests on the pupils to see, you know, if there was delay, uh, whatever. And uh, I remember the doctor; he was talking to Beaumont. I can remember that clearly. And he was, and I, when I, when I knew he was talking to Beaumont, uh, I knew it was serious. And he was good, he was good while uh, you know chatting to them at Beaumont. And I said, "Well, this is serious," Which, you know, and. He came back and said, Will you for a CT? Oh, well, i had the CT scan, but he said, Right, well, straight up to intensive care. Mm. And what they did with me, intensive care, they were very brilliant. Like, there was checking me every nearly on, on the air around the clock, but you couldn't move. That was the whole secret. You couldn't do, pardon the point again, you couldn't move a muscle. Yes. Uh, you just had to stay as you know, calm as possible mm. and just let it let it take its course.
3: Mm. And, no, and and you know, you know before just to back to the point on the phone yes. when you got Anne were you able to converse with her or to say I'm in trouble yes. did you know what was happening to you just say yes. I'm in trouble or what to her
6: yeah I just said get an ambulance right i only got up a three or four words yes. if you could hear it. I think she knew yes when she, because years ago something like this happened me to before uh, and uh, she, she would have had an idea yeah Oh no, it was very quick like mm. uh, the ambulance mm. And uh, the 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 support team that came before them, the, the paramedics, they were excellent. They were yes. in, in and and had me whisked me off, and I was you know by about four o'clock that morning I was in intensive care from being you know yeah. going through getting scans and and
3: everything okay. and everything done.
6: Okay. Um, okay. Get your COVID COVID test as well. Yes, of course. That's what
3: I was going to say to you. We're going into a hospital that was in virtual lockdown with COVID as it was raging through the population at that stage. How long did you spend in intensive care?
6: I spent four days in intensive care. Then I was moved into a stroke ward and then I spent three weeks in Dundalk. Mm. And uh, Again, it was all on lockdown, which is difficult. Not so much for me, Gerry, because I'm young. Uh, and you know I can you know the brain I can keep the brain. I always felt very sorry for the older people in the wards. Mm. No visitors, You know, no, no interactions with anybody. Yeah. It was just it was just it was just horrible to see. I I would I was our ward was on lockdown and I was on a fourteen day lockdown even though I had a negative test. Mm. They uh, in the ward. It was just the de- de- isolation, yeah. Almost you know, was just shocking, just shocking.
3: Earth. Anyway, uh, you get out. Have you uh, been through a, a, a rehabilitation program since? I Jerry, take it, yeah.
6: Jerry, I have been. I, I just tell you a quick one. Uh, a couple of guys at work said to me when the COVID started. They said to me, "said uh, Mick, if you, if uh, where, what's this COVID about? You know." And I said, "Look, the best thing with COVID is." try and stay away from the hospital as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then four weeks later, here we go. You're in. in, in I am. Yeah. Well, I've been, Jerry. I've been in Florida, Dundalk. I had to go to the, up to the Matter hospital about my shoulder. I had to hurt my shoulder. It's the labrum, torn labrum in my shoulder. That was on top of the stroke on the, that arm. I was in the injury sports clinic getting worked on it. I've been in Beaumont. I've been in Dunleary. I've been... I've, um, and I had to do driving tests again. It was it's just it was constant. The whole yes. year was just constantly.
3: God, you've had a busy oh. year, haven't you? Like uh, on foot of this and round all those places. How are you today? Had you initial paralysis? Uh,
6: yeah. I had a Jerry. I had to. I had to learn everything again.
3: Mm-hmm. In,
6: in the sense that uh, the walk and took me. Now I got got up and going within two weeks. But I said to myself when when I came out of intensive care and I was in. In, in the world, when you're on your own, you, you can go one of two ways. You can feel sorry by yourself and do nothing and just lie in the bed and just let everything go. But I was always a planner. And I said, well, my plan is the first thing is get out of this bed. And I asked the consultant, can okay, you get two nurses and I'll get out into a chair. And because uh, a continent and incontinent continent pads, I was wearing a bed set. I'm not going to live with this. So I got out of the bed, that was great. And I knew, well, I can get out. So the next day or two, I got over to the toilet. So I knew then, right, I can get out of the bed. That was a huge thing. Uh, another one was that I was able to swallow. They were very worried that I wouldn't be able to swallow. So I knew from my father. My father had a tube ins- inserted into his stomach because he had he he had to had bleed on the brain the same as me. Mm. And I knew, you know, the things to look out for. And I was worried that, oh, well, I have to have a tube in the rest of the days. I'd be bed So they were positives. I got out of that. And then when I got out of Dundalk, I got into, which was, uh, it was very, very helpful. And I, this is the reason why I'm on, Jerry is that there are people out there that maybe do have had strokes in the last year or two and maybe do not know these. I'll give you the names of the groups that they, that are out there. There's excellent groups out there to help people with 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 strokes. I'll just give you the fourth one that I was involved with was the Irish Heart and Stroke Foundation. Yeah. Uh, they were the ones; it was a springboard. They were so helpful, you know. I, because this is all new to you, you know, your, your brain, everything, everything was. My body was all over the shop. Mm. Me, me, me. The uh, blood pressure was too low. The iron levels were too low. I'd lost my taste. I, I I lost about 13 kilos. I was going, you know, I had to try and sort that out. And they were very good about any time you'd phone the nose up, and they'd always have somebody helping you. Yeah. So then after that, then they obviously stay with you for so long. And then I got involved with uh, the local group. The Sh- Seamus Casey is over the he'd be the coordinator for loud for the stroke group. Yes. And um, we would have. Now this is this is where, like, I'd like to say to the people, the listeners from the northeast, that if you have a family member or anybody you know that that feels that they they are going through a stroke or anything, that this this group is fantastic. Yeah. Because they are there, like, for they have a Monday club. I I got great got got great information. there. that they had a pharmacist on, and I could ask the pharmacist. We did Zoom classes. About uh, like knee medication, what's the side effects? It, and if if nothing else, it's uh, Seamus is there and he's very good. He phone you up and it's just having a chat, especially yeah, yeah. during COVID. You need. You need, some, you need uh, that
3: support, and we know Seamus well. He's a great guy. We've spoken to him here from time to time in the show, and he does run a fantastic support there. So they're it. there as well. Just on yourself, um, yes. you obviously you, you got the swallow sorted. H- have you still uh, any paralysis, or have you overcome yes. it?
6: What, what, what I have at the moment now, uh, where where I am at the moment is I have got a peripheral neuropathy in the feet. Yeah, uh, it's 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 it's, it's very, it's painful, but I'm trying to get that sorted. out. I actually have a shake in in, in my arm. It's when only uh, you might laugh. It's only when you I yawn that uh, it, it it goes into it, a spasm. Yes. But uh, and I was saying to them, um, I'm attending Dunleary. In fact, I'll be going there tomorrow. And I said to them, um, Did you ever watch that program on TV? Uh, only when I laugh. Uh, and they said, "Yeah." They said, "Well, for me, it's only when I yawn, and then, <laughs> then, then the arm would shake." You know. So. Yeah,
3: but you, 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 you have come a long, long way from the eighth of May last year.
6: Oh, Jerry, tell you, uh, look, it's when you go back and analyse it, especially when you are home yeah, you have to analyse it. But it was one point where I was really, I was just gobsmacked. Yeah. Was about three months after it, I was going to the consultant for a checkup and I had an MRI done, and she just out of the blue, she said, "Well, Michael, and I had gotten a letter from Dublin the same day, she said, uh, we found something on your brain, and we don't know, but Beaumont will look at it. And I said, well, what did you find on the scan? And she said, oh, we found, found a problem. And I said, well, what would they do in in Beaumont? She said, uh, well, they might have to put a coil in. Uh, not you Jerry. I just dropped through the floor when when she said that mm. because she didn't explain to me. I was thinking Geez, this is going to be like a, a lump of metal,
3: mm. like
6: a spring put mm. into your brain, and getting and you you know you visualise uh, these operations opening your skull up. So I did go anyway up, and I had an angiogram, and uh, they put a wire into your groin up yes. into your brain. Yes, yeah, unbelievable, uh, up, isn't it? You're, you're awake for it mm. but, uh, but the funny thing about it was when I was on the table and he was the surgeon was getting his knives and frogs the nurse was plugging me in for for the pulse and there was no pulse and because I was awake and I could hear it he was saying to the surgeon he's no pulse <laughs> and I said well that's not really very good you haven't even come to yeah, yet and <laughs> I've <have> no pulse <laughs> <laughs> and then and then when I came out of the surgery because I was awake they had a fight over the bed I was in and the girl that brought me down to surgery she had a bed with my name on it but there was a woman's name on the bed it was like Rosemary Smith from uh, it was Common, and the nurse said well you can't go up as Rosemary up to the wards and all this so I said to the girls I said girls don't worry about it. I only came in here for an angiogram, not for a sex change. Just kept me up, kept me up to the world.
3: I think you know what I'm thinking. Listen to here. Your attitude, your outlook, your determination, and that being a, that ability to actually look on the funny side of things have been yeah, so important was, to you, yeah, through was, the year, Michael. Was,
6: you know, there was there was another very funny one that because uh, Friday nights it's always a special night in our house, whether it be football, whatever. And especially, you know, Friday it was on the Friday night, had a stroke, but there was a very funny one. Uh, I was in and the telly was on. I was watching it obviously draw the United match and I was roaring shirt and she came flying in. She said, are you OK, are you OK? Will I get the ambulance? And I said, she said, are you having another stroke? I said, no. I said, it's worse than that. I said, "At least beating for <laughs> <laughs> Michael,
3: <laughs> will I tell you, you're absolutely a tonic, I'm sure, for everybody listening today. I have to leave it there for today. I will sure. talk to you again.
6: Yeah, Jerry, could I just do one thing? If I could leave if there's anybody out there, Seamus said for me, if there's anybody out there that needs any support or anything with stroke, families or anything, I'll leave the number, Seamus number with yes. uh, uh, the studio yes. after the phone call and they can phone. But And we'll give it out. Yeah, don't be don't don't feel uh, isolated. Get these people are excellent. Irish Heart there is support for people with strokes yes. out there. It's just Go, on, uh, that Go and make Go
3: and avail with them and engage with them. I hear what you're yeah. saying. Michael McAvoy, legend, draw it, going well. Talk to you again soon. Right. Thanks, me, Jerry. Take bye. care, bye. yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. Isn't he a tonic? Late lunch, LMFM radio. Stay with us. That man, Jerry would do your heart good, says Sonia, to us on Late Lunch this afternoon. Thanks indeed for your comment. Another one there. We were talking to Paul Mine at top of the show. It was on the news last night, says a listener. If you get the vaccine, don't get colour in your hair for two weeks. God, I never heard that. I don't know how colour in your hair it affects the vaccine. It won't affect me anyway. I won't be getting colour in my hair. Time to get on the road on Late Lunch with our motoring man, Tony Conlon. And today we're concentrating on Nissan and in particular the cash guy, the new cash guy. And we're going to be talking to some people from Nissan in a moment. But first, I'll say hello to Tony. Tony, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Jerry. Thank you.
3: Uh, this car, the Qashqai, tell me about it. You're very, very familiar with it and you've been familiar with uh, several generations of it. This is the third generation, Tony.
2: I, I have indeed. I've been there from word go. And from word go, we could see what it was going to do for the change in the, the outcome of motoring. In other words, it was the, the one there that started the whole SUV craze as such because people like sitting that little bit higher a lot of people do anyway and then you found it had so many other competitors up against it at one time it was all by itself and now it's still leading the way like it's still reinventing itself and uh, i'm sure robert and jean will tell you more about that but it's been a very interesting economical friendly car to a lot of families in ireland and i use the word friendly most willingly because uh, that's what it has been. It's, so, it's been so friendly on the wallet on the purse strings. And uh, people love the car.
3: It was the first compact crossover SUV, Tony, as you said. When it came on the market, people looked at this car. And by God, it hit the ground running. It had a, a big following almost instantaneously, Tony.
2: It had, like like... You may have often heard like this term years ago called a beach wagon or whatever. And it's just a kind of associate as a family vehicle that you could throw, load everything into them, throw up into the boot of the car there. You had a big boot, and it's even now bigger again. Like I think it's increased by nearly 70 odd litres again, uh, this cash guy, the latest one. So, yes, that's the, the likable thing about it. It was so friendly in so many aspects. You could bring your, your Labrador in the back but there was room for everyone. You know?
3: <laughs> you, you certainly could. And this one, Tony, uh, this uh, third generation, I've been looking at images of it inside and out this morning. It's really impressive. Can you make something that's absolutely brilliant even better, Tony?
2: Well, you can. And the very interesting thing about it is, Jerry, the pictures, photographs of this particular cash guy, it's not really doing it justice. Some people can be shocked and brave and make a major radical change to design. Everything has changed in a right rate, but it still looks like a cash guy. And when you actually see it in reality, it's more—it's more surprising. It is really, really nice in reality. As I said to some of the people in this, and at the static launch, I don't—I don't think the photographs do it justice.
3: Okay, so you're mildly impressed with it, you, you, as you say, a static launch. There, you, you haven't been behind the wheel yet.
2: I sat behind the wheel, Jerry, but just yeah. driving it. No, not <laughs> driving, yeah. we, we we will
3: do. You will, of course, you will, Tony. Anyway, it's only out. Let's bring into the conversation Jean McGann. She's the head of marketing with Nissan Ireland. Welcome to the show, Jean.
7: Thank you, Jerry, and thanks for having us on.
3: Not at all. Can I talk about this car to you as well? Its legacy. We were talking. You heard us there speaking to Tony about. You know, he's been driving them since they uh, came in here in two thousand and seven. But this car really has some legacy, hasn't it?
7: Oh, it sure has, Jerry. Um Kashka, I suppose the concept itself was showcased way back in two thousand and two um, when it was first shown at the Geneva Motor Show. And I suppose there was nothing like it before. And I think it raised an awful lot of eyebrows at the time because the concept, what it was showcasing, was trying to mix a hatchback with an SUV. And people love the hatchbacks because of the fact that, you know, they're spacious and they're compact and they're easy to drive. But people loved SUVs for the height of driving that it gave to you and um, the size of them as well. So to mix the two was kind of a radical idea at the time. There was nothing like it on the roads at the time. And I think even when we saw the first concept pictures um, in Nissan Ireland, we were quite surprised at what what was coming down the road. And I'm very excited about it. And it's done everything since to keep us excited because the car itself has gone just from strength to strength. So it was launched in 2007. And since then, there's been three... This is the third generation... Um, And there have been a couple of upgrades as well along the way in terms of facelifts as well, but it has sold um, an incredible 500,000 vehicles globally and 50,000 of those have been sold in Ireland. Mm. So it has been consistently amongst the top selling vehicles in Ireland Um, since its launch and just captured the imagination, I think, of people when it did arrive. It's
3: testament to the love that people have for it and people who got into it initially, who've stayed with it and newcomers to it as well. When you look at you've led the way. Uh, you broke new ground here, broke new ground in the world with this design of car. And of course, everybody has followed since. When you look at the others, well, what do you think? <laughs>
7: I think we'll always be had to <laughs> our Jerry?
3: <laughs> I sort of expected that answer, to be honest. With you, but, uh, but yeah, when you lead the way, it's interesting, I'm sure, to see the way others have, you know, uh, honed in on this and uh, brought out their own versions. And all, we have to say, good in-, in their own right. But the original, of course, is the Qashqai. Let's talk to the man on the ground. Robert McCabe is waiting patiently. From John McCabe, Nissan Andrada. Oh, what a beautiful new garage you have, Robert. Thanks, Jerry. You're going good guns. You're up. I can pass you there up beside Lidl on the uh, south side of Drogheda. It looks impressive. You have some range of cars. It's a big investment, isn't it, for the McCabe family?
1: It is, absolutely. We opened in Dundalk in late 2016 and Drogheda in a temporary premises in late 2018. And we're delighted now to have the showroom finally finished in Drogheda. And to be able to, I suppose it coincides with being able to welcome customers uh, back into the showroom on an appointment basis and uh, on a click and collect basis as well. In addition, they're now able to browse our forecourt freely. So we've got all three options available to customers now. So it's really nice to be able to uh, welcome customers locally, um, and from further afield with the inter-county travel being lifted it's really nice to be able to bring them back into a proper showroom with the and offer them the full retail experience How did you find the, this
3: time when people actually couldn't visit and you know, uh, working on the online stuff, there's nothing in my opinion to be going to a showroom meeting the salespeople, looking at the cars taking a test drive God almighty, how did you fare out? Were you, were you able to shift f-
1: cars? we've we've actually been very busy through our click and deliver and click and collect services one of the things that we invested in heavily in the new premises is uh our digital presence our website we also invested heavily in uh state of the art uh, camera room which probably can't be seen from the from the uh exterior of the building it's around the back but what this allows uh people to do is effectively browse a car fully online Uh, by spinning the car as they would walk similar to how they would walk around it in the showroom Um, and they can also effectively you can more or less drive the car uh, online uh, from the comfort of your own home so it's it's as close to the real experience as you can get Mm. having said that we're absolutely delighted to be able to bring people back in because buying a car at the end of the day it people buy from people, and it is a it is a it isn't a, it is a personal experience as well. So it's it's uh, it's something we're delighted to be able to offer both options to people now.
3: Now looking at this third generation car, one point three engine, one three eight or one five six brake horsepower, infotainment features, unbelievable safety as usual. Uh, hybrid or electric, fully electric or a combination. Which, uh, Robert?
1: We've got two options in the new model Qashqai. Uh Delighted to have both. Uh, we've got the mild hybrids with the 1.3 engine. Slightly different to many traditional hybrids on the market at the moment. A lot of hybrids that you see on the market have big, heavy petrol engines in excess of 2 litre. This is a 1.3 petrol engine, still plenty powerful. It has 140 brake horsepower in manual and 160 brake horsepower in automatic. Um, Very, very impressive car to sit in. Uh, Much more room than the predecessor as well. Uh, Plenty of room in the back. Uh, plenty of room in the boot, massively improved boot and massively improved uh, passenger room in the rear as well. So uh, in terms of drivetrains, you know, the electric option uh, will be e-power. We can't wait to have that as well. We'll have that early in 2022. Um, I'm sure we'll be taking orders for it well in advance um but two very exciting drivetrains for us to have and to welcome into our showrooms so we really can't wait to have them it's uh, a huge step in the right direction for nissan definitely
3: tony's mentioned to me before you know that you know petrol diesel then you have the hybrid you know the best of both worlds moving through to electric do you see that as the natural progression looking at your business going forward say in the next one three five years
1: I think the important thing is to stay ahead of a lot of the regulation that's there. And the general trend across Europe is that diesel is going to be phased out. Um, That doesn't mean there won't be a demand for diesel cars secondhand. Of course, there will. Um, But uh, starting with new cars, it will be phased out. and I think hybrid is the natural uh, medium term step for somebody um, coming in and adjusting to, you know, a fully electric drivetrain like e-power, which we'll have next year. But it's brilliant to to be able to have both um, and to offer customers both um, because a lot of people who have the current uh, electric models uh, with, the, with the Leaf, um, they won't move away from the electric drivetrain. They're very, very impressed with it. Mm. So if you get into it,
3: you're saying to me it's a love affair that's, blossoming and you'll you'll stay with it that's basically it
1: absolutely absolutely that's where we're finding with our customers once they drive the electric once they get the feel for the electric powertrain, they really won't come away from it apart from the cost saving benefits and everything like Mm. everything else like that and the environmental benefits of it as well you know the drivability of it is very very impressive second to none Mm.
3: tony that's interesting isn't it listening to robert's uh, take on where this is
2: going it is indeed, and I, I'd, like to, I'd like to go back to Robert or even Gene or whoever wants to go back and listen, but the, the big secret here, the big two, there's a very important letter here before the word power, and it's called e-power, and Nissan had the experience of the leaf uh, there in, in the background, but e-power,
4: it,
2: it's, it's a hard question, Robert. I know you're a salesperson and running a garage, but you want to convince, say, say you want to convince the, the Nissan diesel Qashqai owner to change over. What, what what way are you going to sell this? Yeah, I think-
1: effectively effectively it's going it's 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 in my opinion when customers drive it and when they have the option of you know hybrid or e-power it, 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 there's very little selling on it because it's going the, the correct option will sell itself to the cut rec- to the correct customer. However, the availability of the e um fully electric drive train without the requirement to actually charge having to charge the vehicle Uh, is a very, very important piece of the jigsaw puzzle for us when we're selling to customers because traditionally potential electric vehicle customers... Their, their main anxiety point or their main stumbling point about buying an electric vehicle is the requirement to charge and, you know, how long, how far will the car get me before I have to charge it? That's completely negated with the introduction of e-power. And that's a massive, massive, massive selling point for us. It's something no other brand has on the market. Currently.
2: Absolutely. And I totally agree with you. I just want to stay in this for a second, Jerry, if you yep. don't mind, please. Yep. Because the uni- unique element of that Nissan have here with e-power is the fact that the petrol engine is used solely to generate electricity while the wheels are completely driven by the electric motor. So am I, am I right in saying that, that you could have put uh, the plug-in competitors in, in trouble here? Like that, uh, this is way ahead technology-wise than the plug-ins?
1: Potentially, yeah, The uh, and obviously we hope so. Um the um, plug-in option offers a very, very short limited dry, uh, electric driving experience. You're looking at some of the plug-in options only have electric range of, you know, less than 40, less than 50 kilometers. So, uh Qashqai e ePower customers are going to get a huge benefit of you know the feel of an electric vehicle all the time without the range anxiety element ever creeping in. So that's going to be a huge selling point for ePower. Um and if you look at you know Nissan's technology globally in terms of the e-power presence that's out there, it's already in Japan. It's it's one of J- Japan's best best-selling cars in the note e-Power. Um, and, you know, that speaks for itself, really, for such a huge market to have uh, e-power as its best selling uh, model. It's 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 testament to the investment that the brand has put behind yeah. um, e-power as a technology.
3: Robert, I just want to clarify for a Luddite listening to the two of you here, uh, very interestingly, does e-power mean that there's a petrol element to that car?
1: it does it does um the petrol elements, the, the the drive of the vehicle the electric motor is used to drive the vehicle all of the time yes when the when the battery and the electric motor needs power the uh petrol there is a petrol generator engine there that kicks in a very small petrol yeah. uh generator that kicks in to charge the battery the the sole purpose and this is the key point the sole purpose of that petrol generator engine is to charge the battery okay um if and when if and when required yes. so you're driving all the time on electric power you're not driving on um you know on an yes. internal combustion yeah or relying on an internal combustion engine to drive the vehicle forward
3: yeah and, and and that's very good to clarify that I'm just thinking about Jean McGann my god you have an exciting time ahead with all this on the horizon from a marketing point of view Gene.
7: We sure do, Gerry. Um, it's really exciting. I, was, I suppose in terms of the launch of the Qashqai um, in the mild hybrid and e-power format um, and the electrification of our best known vehicle in terms of the Qashqai is just a step towards Nissan electrifying itself for the future. So we have a load of, of beyond that. We also have some really interesting models coming down the track. So we have a battery. A full battery vehicle called the Aria coming in early next year, which is much anticipated and 100 percent electric. It won't be e It's 100 percent electric, similar to the Leaf. And that is um, a really, really good looking SUV. Um, and then we will have the Qashqai e-power landing shortly after that. And then that will be followed by X-Trail with new e and mild hybrid uh, powertrains. to do. (laughs) Yes,
3: exciting times for Nissan. I have to leave it there today, folks. Tony Conlon, as usual, thank you for joining me. Robert McCabe, uh, thank you indeed for uh, uh, joining us on the show today. Very interesting, very informative and wish you well with the new cash guy and more besides in your lovely new premises in Drahota and Dundalk, of course. And to yourself, Jean McGann, uh, marketing uh, with uh, Nissan in uh, the headquarters there in Dublin. Thank you all for joining me on the show. Yeah, it must be love. Madness, 1981. Originally recorded ten years earlier by Labby Seafree in 1971. So it's originally a Labby Seafree song made the most of by Madness. Love that version. I certainly do. I'll have to feature them, won't I, in my Artist of the Week slot. I I will, I will, I will, I will. I promise you. They will be there at some stage. What's this quack quack? Tell me, missus, about these ducks. What's happening with the
5: ducklings? Oh, there's people buying do- little ducklings for as little as a fiver to star on TikTok videos. And I suppose agencies and rescue centres are getting very worried because they've been left with hundreds of duckling- ducklings.
3: Oh, so. The little- and in,
5: in some cases they've been taken. these sellers are taking them from their mothers too early. They need mm. to be with their, their mother for a certain amount of time yes. for their feathers to get waterproof and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um and so our friends in the animal rehabilitation centre in outside Navan um, have up to sixty of them that they've rescued so far have been left in the
3: doors. Yeah. So desperate. The message today is don't be buying little baby no, ducks because they they shouldn't be away from the mammies. They they take special care and you know, people are using them for social media stuff and that. Leave them be. They're inundated with them and uh they then have to find Homes or wherever. Mm-hmm. For and some of them may not
5: survive because yes, they yeah, they haven't yeah, got their yeah. mums.
3: So quack quack, leave them be, leave them with the they And not be. for pets. No, they are not for pets. That is for sure. Did you see the uh, that uh, couple who were married in Longford and had the big uh, gig in the marquee? They're in court yesterday. They, they apologised. <clears throat> they did three thousand each. It's cost them mm. plus the other family members as well. Uh, but I think there's uh, another file being prepared. They could be back, you know, to answer more. Okay.
5: And who? was It was the the, the bridegroom and the, the father and the father-in-law, wasn't it? Yes. And then the chipper.
3: Luigi's. Luigi's. Luigi's in Longford. The marquee owner? I think could be involved as well. Okay. Not too sure. But Luigi's. Luigi's a great chipper. Mm. You know the way we I travelled around Ireland with the League of Ireland? And Longford would be one of the stops. Luigi's in Longford on the main street, regarded as one of the best chipper stops on the way home after the match. We had we had them all over the place. You'd know them, but Luigi's was lovely. Anyway, they have to pay three pounds as well. He'll be paying. You won't be paying three. You, care, you won't be paying three fifty for your bag of chips. There'll be a fiver <laughs> in Luigi's this week. There's three grand to be made up there. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at it, but he will be. Um, <clears throat> He will be paying that fine, that is for sure, yes, uh, in court yesterday. <laughs> and just one other thing to mention before we head to uh, news uh, weather and sport at three the Ledwidge Museum the little cottage on the way out to Slane uh, into in Slane uh, if you go out from and you're right coming out from Slane it's in uh, a bit of bother they need uh, the roof is in trouble the walls etc and you're going yeah, yeah you're going to hear more about that over the coming days. just said I'd mentioned today that they've set up a, yeah, a fund fun. haven't they they've set up a fund to get some money together for it it is a landmark in these neck of the woods Still to come, my artist of the week this week, Queen and a young man from North Loud. He's an entrepreneur with a lovely little business idea, all coming after three and late lunch. Now, when I read this lovely message, Oh, Jerry, hasn't Louise that works with you the nicest voice ever? It's lovely, says Paul. Ah, isn't that a lovely compliment to receive this afternoon? Thanks, on a Paul. Tuesday I'm going a
5: slight shade of red here a
3: little bit a little bit but he's right he's absolutely 100% thanks for that lovely message heard me shouting. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard me shouting either <laughs> anyway lovely thanks, to get Paul. a compliment very nice thanks Paul for getting in touch with us today now let's get into our artists of the week and this week it's uh, Queen as you know and following on from their successful third album Sheer Heart Attack which incidentally is ranked 28 in The 100 100 greatest rock albums ever. In early '75, Queen embarked on a successful world tour before returning to studio to put down the tracks for their next album great one called a night at the opera this was freddie mercury's baby producing the groundbreaking single bohemian rhapsody which dj kenny everett brought to prominence he shouldn't have done it he did this against their wishes you see kenny was on capital radio in london and he played bohemian rhapsody he was on the weekend saturday and sunday 17 times in two days. Now, Jesus, we'd be shot here if we played it twice in a fortnight. But he played it 17 times in two days on Capital Radio. And the switchboard blew up with people inquiring, what was this? So really, it forced the hand of EMI, uh, their record label, to release it on the 31st of October 1975. It went to number one and stayed there for nine weeks. It was Christmas number one that year, becoming the third best single of all time in the UK. And you know this about it. Its video, the video, you remember the video, is regarded as the mother and father of the music video. A first of its kind. But it was a whole seven years later before MTV, do you remember MTV? Came on air on our television screens. So it showed you how groundbreaking this song was, and especially the video and everything about it. The album, A Night at the Opera, I mentioned, was a resounding success worldwide, setting up another global tour and Queen's growing reputation as one of the all time greats. So today, there's only one thing for it. Here it is. I remember it well when I aired it first. Oh, all these years later. I remember it as if it were yesterday when I heard that first and then saw it on the television on top of the Pops. It was just something else. Almost six minutes and it's still so brilliant today. That's Queen there, my artist of the week and Bohemian Rhapsody, a real groundbreaking song. Despite technology and computers and touch screens, I still live the, love the old pen and I, I write a lot and I take a lot of notes and it's still a very important part of our lives. A young man from North Loud has been very successful this year. He's been named for Oiga Entrepreneur of the Year and he's going to tell us for what and why. Tygo O'Brien, hello. Hello. Ty, good to talk to you this afternoon. Thank you for joining me on the show. Tell them about your pens. What makes them different?
8: Uh, Well, my pens are a handcrafted uh, product which are made from different woods, uh, from locally sourced places like beech, ash, Irish yew, and ancient Irish bog oak, along with other sourced woods and materials such as acrylic. And I just put the pens together, and they are reusable, unique, and suitable for long-term use. And where
3: where did this... I, I know there. Are, th- this is not a unique idea, but w- what brought this idea to you to do this?
8: Uh, well, my dad was making handcrafted wooden projects as a hobby during the first lockdown, uh, our workshop at home. And I was interested by what he was doing, and I started off doing basic projects like wooden, all wooden pens... And then I had to come up with an idea for my enterprise project and I just thought it would be a great idea to stick with the pens and see if it would work.
3: And by God did it work for you. So you gather local, that's all Irish native wood and wood that's grown around the area. That's what forms the basis. They're all in those styles or different trees.
8: Uh, yeah, yeah. We just uh, we mix and match different parts. Yeah. Like we could mix an Irish yew and an Irish bug oak together, mm. and uh, we'll just shape them. And you know, each pen is a different design. You know, no two pens are the same, and it just adds a lovely look to them. And yeah,
3: and and the timber does your dad source that?
8: Uh, no, we source it from a local carpentry store. Uh, called the carpentry store uh, online and we buy all of our goods uh, from them okay. and they're a great source and if you ever need any good pro- uh, like resources uh, make sure to look them up online and oh, good man. your goods off them
3: yeah, they'll be delighted with you giving them that lovely plug today i have to say Ty <laughs> anyway you so get awesome. your <laughs> you get your timbers from them what about the workings of the pen the innards where do you get that stuff from
8: uh, Well, basically, it takes. We just we get the get like a pen component, a mixture of different components for the pen from uh, the carpentry store, and we just by step by step we uh, make the pen. And I'll then put it onto a lead, a wooden lead, and turn it, and I'll shape it to whatever size I want, and then finish off using uh, like different. uh, rubbed on creams and everything just to smooth it out and make them as presentable as possible.
3: Okay, so you get the timber, you shape it into the pen, you do all your works at the, the yeah. polishing. Is it a single piece or do they join together uh, in a two-piece? Two
8: piece? Uh, two, uh, two little 20 millimeter pieces uh, will make the pen for me. Okay,
3: and you know what I'm talking about. Is it is it ink or is it like a biro, your pens?
8: Uh, so they my pens take a standard CrossFit uh, fill and it's just an ink cartridge, and they do last about a year, so it's quite, re- it's quite good for the environment because you're not using a big pen where you're using it yeah. once and you might throw it out or you'll lose it. Yeah. So you can refill these pens whenever, and they're very suitable for long term use.
3: And so it's a ballpoint with an ink refill?
8: Yes. Ah, exactly good. Yeah, yeah they're, they're very, very, uh,
3: uh, very, very usable in all circumstances. And, and colours is it blue, black, or just one colour you use, red? Uh, uh, black and blue, black and blue. So the two basic colours that everybody yes, uh, writes with. So it's yes. a cross refill. It's a ballpoint. You make the pens with the different yes. woods, and away you go. So you entered this uh, for all uh,
8: Obviously thrilled to be picked as the winner. Uh, yeah, I was very delighted. I started after I was. En- I entered the competition along with two other TY groups in my school, uh, Scullywara. In Delair, the and they helped me the whole way through, especially my teacher, uh, Martina Farrell. She helped me the whole way through, and uh, yeah, we went into competition, you know, heads up and hoped for the best. And Luckily enough, one of us got picked to win.
3: Good stuff. Have you a business name?
8: Uh, yes, uh, we're called uh, Monster by Scriptorium Pens.
3: Oh my God, that's very fancy! Scriptorium pens from Monaster Boys. I presume they'll be stocking them in the Monaster Boys in. Hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. Wink, <laughs> wink, wink. Or, or at malaria as well. Um, and and are you online selling, or do you hope to develop this then into uh, you know a further aspect of business where you're going to you know put them around the country or
8: beyond, perhaps? Uh, well, at the moment I'm selling on Instagram and. On my own phone, personal phone number, which was displayed on all the newspapers, and that if you want to put an order in at 087 1722290, or and hopefully in the future we can set up a permanent online website, and I can start selling my friends across all of Ireland. Hopefully, give us that number again: 087 1722290. Yep. Two nine
3: zero. OK, that's 172290 with the 087 prefix in front of it. So look, there's a uh, fantastic possibility for you here, isn't there, to develop it online and more besides exciting times for you, Tyg?
8: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully exciting times ahead. Exactly.
3: Well done to you, well done to you. Is thanks Martina there much. just for a second? Will you put her on to me? Yeah, I'll catch a no word with her, Martina Farrell. All no right, thanks very much. Not Thank at all. Pleasure. You're welcome, Tyg. Take care. Right, take it easy. Bye. Hello. Martina Farrell, hello. Hello,
8: how are
3: you? I'm good. You must be proud of this. You're proud of them all, I'm sure. I'm
8: proud of them all, absolutely. But especially proud of Tig now, especially since the news broke on Friday. So it's just wonderful for us and wonderful for the school here in Dunlaire, Scullywary. So we're delighted.
3: Yeah, it's a a great achievement uh, to be on the uh, national map with a victory like this. There's a, I mean, great creativity, isn't there? And and he mentioned there that, you know, the pandemic and the, the lockdown, you know, looking at different things. It just shows you, doesn't it, what's there?
8: Well, well I have to say now, I suppose I've been teaching enterprise for many years here in Scullywerey and I think this year has to be definitely the most creative I think they've ever been. I think it's because they've had more time, I suppose, with the lockdown and, you know, they weren't able to go to camogie and football and whatever else it was. They spent more time creating their businesses and I think that that's why we're probably well, we had the most successful year um, here in Scully Worry. So it's
3: just wonderful. Ah, oh, it morning. is great. And I just wanted to say hello to you and congratulate you to Tig and you. everyone involved and wish him well with his uh, exquisite name business, which begins with the word monastery. Boys. Anyway, <laughs> Martina, thank you for taking our call today. Thanks very
8: much,
3: Harry. Thank you. Take care bye-bye, Bye bye-bye, bye-bye. That's Tig O'Brien there and teacher Martina Farrell from Scully Worry. Tyg, what is... Uh, New pen Business, Froiger Entrepreneur of the Year, finishing our chat on Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Coming up on Tomorrow Show midweek, Dr. Mary Randall's Trailblazing GP from Navin is joining us. Shane Brett, one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the Northeast, is here as well. Kaylin Murphy O'Hanlon, the artist, has a beautiful new collection out. And, of course, I'll be back to Queen for my Artist of the Week. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with the drive for your entertainment and pleasure over the next couple of hours. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. See you tomorrow, one thirty for another
2: Late Lunch. The late lunch with Blackstone Motors Drahida, Dundalk, and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same day business finance. So let our van specialist, Danny, find the commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze.
1: Flushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.